Texans All Access. So glad to be back with you. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Fresh off a couple of days, I guess, of getting away. I was still on Friday's show, though. Um, Thursday, I took a little break. Was out for a little bit, but was glad to be on Friday because I had a chance to catch up with Casey Keeler. And I got to start this show with congratulations to Bearcats everywhere. It was an amazing season. I was so glad to be just a very, very small part of it, calling the games for ESPN Plus during the seasons. I called all three home games. And I've been calling Team Houston games for a while. And it was such a pleasure to watch that team this year. And I felt like I kind of had the answers to the test. You know, people watching Sam Houston, like, hey, what are they going to look like? And I knew I knew all the players. I knew uh, Coach Keeler. I talked to Coach Keeler, I think, five times during the year, you know, with production meetings and then interviews. And so Sunday, man, I was just, I was beside myself. I was watching the game with Sam Houston State alum uh, and just a wonderful guy, Don Sanders, who I've gotten to know over the years. I mean, the baseball stadium at Sam Houston is named after him. University of Houston. I mean, he's given so much to University of Houston, to the city of Houston, to Sam Houston State, his alma mater. David Fletcher, GM of LSSC, the three of us were watching that game. Get a rain delay, but then Bearcats are able to score with 16 seconds left to win that game. And it was just, it was amazing. And I was driving home and I started thinking, you know, my alma mater will never win a football championship. It won't do it. It can win an Ivy League championship. It'll never win a national championship ever. And that's sad because they just don't let Ivy, Ivy League teams don't aren't allowed to play for a football championship. And so Sunday, man, I was really cheering so hard for Casey Keeler and my man uh, Jason Barfield and Ben Reichert. I mean, all the guys that have been so much to me. It was very, very cool to see Sam Houston State get that win on Sunday and get a championship and Casey get that, that second championship, which has eluded him since he's been at Sam Houston, but he's built one heck of a program. So congratulations to the Bearcats. And I would have been remiss if I didn't mention them right off the top because, yes, this is Texans All Access, but... You know that we do a lot with Lone Star Sports Entertainment, and there's so much in Lone Star Sports Entertainment. There's international soccer. There's the kickoff game. There's the bowl game. There's also the Battle of the Piney Woods, and that is such a big deal to both schools, and I love being able to do the lunch in the last few years, and I've been calling same Houston games. Uh, I did a couple SFA games over the years, so I've gotten to really kind of know both sides, and I got a chance to go down or go up to Huntsville to see the the semifinal game against James Madison. It was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. And watch that game on Sunday. I know Bearcat fans and alums uh, had to feel so incredibly just awesome after that game. So congratulations, Bearcats. Now, it is Texans All Access, so we are going to get into Texans stuff, but I knew I had to start the show with congratulations to Sam Houston State. It's been a really good year for the state of Texas in college sports. Sam Houston gets an FCS championship. Baylor wins. The basketball championship, University of Houston goes to the Final Four. Uh, I mean, it's been a really, really good year. And now you still have some more spring sports. You never know what might happen over the rest of the year, which I guess probably extends into June in some cases. I know for baseball it does. So uh, they'll be back on a normal, seemingly, schedule next year. But, man, what a run it was. And I remember after watching the first time, I thought, man, this is a really good same Houston State team. And then I talked to Casey the next production meeting. He said, you know, we're as good as we've ever been. And they proved that to be true. 10-0, national champions, in the process, beat seven-time champion North Dakota State, beat JMU, who won it a couple years ago, and then beat the number one overall seed, 
South Dakota State, and by the way, South Dakota State, not that Sam doesn't, but South Dakota State's got a couple of dudes, and they both wore number 22. Holy smokes. You get a chance to go watch that game, go back and watch it. You can watch it fairly quickly, kind of fast forward in between plays. One heck of a football game, and congratulations uh, to the Sam Houston State Bearcats and my man Casey Keeler. All right, we are going to hear from, later in the show, John Schriever, who is our VP of ticketing. He is one of he's one of the best guys you're ever going to know. A DP sitter had a chance to catch up with him. This is one of my favorite interviews every single year because it really gives an update on kind of where we stand heading into the fall. Now, obviously, this is May 17th. Things can change, but we have seen a lot of progress. Obviously, the CDC putting out its uh, instructions, I guess, if you will, guidance, maybe a better word. We use that word a lot in, in uh, accounting. Oh, what's the guidance say? Well, CDC put out that guidance about masks and everything moving forward. And hopefully by the time we kick off September 12th, I should say August 14th, I think that's the first uh, preseason game against Green Bay Packers. Hopefully we're going to be in a situation where we're back up and running like we want to. But John Schriever is going to have a lot of that information for you. So you want to hear that a deep slant interview, DP City sat down with our ticketing guru who has been there from day one, John Schriever who is just one of the best guys you were ever going to meet on the face of the earth. And hopefully one day you will meet him because he's, he's great. I remember meeting him the first time, and he, he came up to me told me what a big listener he was, a big fan. I was like, man, oh, yeah, thanks, John. I really appreciate that. And from that point, we've had a great friendship, and he is a tremendous leader of our ticketing department. So Josh Reaver will be with us in the next segment. Then we'll go around the NFL and hit our number of things that happened uh, over the weekend, a lot of rookie mini camps uh, going on. Uh, so we'll hit on a few of those as the show goes into its final segment. But we got to kick off tonight's show first with a piece of news. And then we'll hear a little Texans audio jukebox, David Cully style. Yeah, that's the first time we've done it for Coach Cully. But a little news today the Texans made a signing. And I always, I'm intrigued by the signings that come out of rookie minicamp. Because in rookie minicamp, you've got a conglomeration of guys. I mean, you've got an amalgam of of people. You've got draft picks. You've got undrafted but signed free agents. You've also got some guys that were uh, on the squad but didn't pick up a year of um, a year of play, a year of seniority. I can't remember what what exactly the, the term is. But they don't get an accredited year because they're a practice squad or spent the majority of the year in practice squad. You know, it's like Case Keenum a few years ago. When he didn't play in 2012, he was able to participate in rookie minicamp in 2013 for the Texans. Uh, and that was hugely helpful. You had a year in the NFL building, and then he comes back for rookie minicamp, and that really gave him an opportunity to get on the field in 2013 where he started a number of games. So you've got a number of players. The one group that, to me, is always intriguing are the tryout players. And over the years... The Texans have seen some tryout players make an impact on this team. I remember Corey Moore played safety in special teams for the Texans. He was a tryout player. Chris Thompson was a receiver at the University of Florida, came down uh, to camp impressed with his speed on special teams, and he ended up making the team uh, his first year, I believe it was 2017. So tryout players have, have made a dent, if you will, and the Texans signed one on Monday, made it official on Monday, Shaheen Carter, defensive back 
University of Alabama. Now, he was in the 2020 NFL draft class. And it's not too surprising that some guys in that draft class fell through the cracks with no pro days and certain things that went on. Now, he did play at Alabama, so a lot of people knew about him. And he was a four-star recruit going to Alabama. I mean, he was very well known and was not drafted. He ended up in, I think it was San Francisco's undrafted signing class. He didn't make camp. He ended up with Atlanta and spent the year in Atlanta, but then they let him go, and so he was available this spring. Well, he wasn't signed, so he ended up going to the University of Alabama to be a graduate assistant. So he spent the spring with the University of Alabama and decided, you know what, I'm not done with this football thing. I'm going to give this thing a shot. Got to try out with the Texans. Impressed to be able to get a shot at the roster. So he is signed. Shaheem Carter, defensive back. Played in that Alabama system. Just having that knowledge of playing DB in that Alabama system, I think is so incredibly useful. And Nick Saban said about Shaheem Carter back when he graduated, when he was uh, done playing at Alabama, and they asked him about Carter and what he thought about the NFL. He said, look, he's the one guy I think can come out of here and be a coach. He is that smart. He knows every spot, star, outside guy, safety. He knows them all. He knows every spot on the field. He knows what every guy's responsible for. He's going to be a great coach one day. Well, he still wants to be a player, and I don't blame him. So he's going to leave the coaching scene for a little bit and come to the Texans and give it what he's got for a training camp. So congratulations to him. But as I've said many times, that tryout guy comes in. I think Ha-Ha Clinton Dix was also a tryout guy. I've not seen any any uh, reports on that. But I knew that Shane Carter got a tryout, and it paid off for him. He will be with this team going through OTAs, going through minicamp, and then going through training camp um, as a member of this roster. And I believe that moves the roster to 89, I believe. So still one more spot. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but there's still one more spot. Uh, so don't have to take somebody to camp. Can You never know what's going to happen uh, between now and then, but got a feeling Shane Carter is going to be a part of it after his uh, performance over the weekend at rookie minicamp. Now, Speaking of rookie minicamp, David Culley, head coach of the Houston Texans, has not gotten the Texans all-access Texans audio jukebox treatment until now. I know a lot was made about him not meeting with the media at the golf tournament, but with rookie minicamp coming up and the OTAs, he was going to be at the mic a lot. And so that's why he wasn't at the mic at the golf tournament. But he was asked... Because all the rookies are in hand, they got a chance to see them all up close and personal. A lot of people wanted to know about Davis Mills. Here's what Coach Kelly had to say about his rookie quarterback from Stanford. Did a great job of all of a sudden earmarking a guy that fit what a quarterback in this NFL is all about. I mean, this, this guy, obviously he didn't play as much football as some of the other guys because of the COVID situation in the Pac-12, but we really love what he's all about. We love all the tangibles that he has. Uh, uh, he's a prototype NFL quarterback, uh, and we feel good to have him. He's smart. Uh, he can make all the throws, and we feel good and feel fortunate that we were able to get him when we got him. About Davis Mills, once Mills was off the board, the quarterback drop-off was precipitous. So if they didn't have a quarterback, they weren't getting one at all. And I ended up thinking they they got a good one. And I've heard, I can't remember, gosh, I wish I could find a tweet. 
But I saw somebody sort of questioning or heard somebody questioning Davis Mills. Well, why did they take him this year? That's a wasted pick. And, you know, they could get a first-round pick on a quarterback next year. Well, guess who they probably would have been drafting next year? Davis Mills. They just got him a year early. All right. The next pick was Nico Collins. The Texans traded up into the third round to get to pick number 89 overall. He's an impressive-looking guy on the hoof, no doubt. Here's what Coach Kelly had to say about Nico Collins from Michigan. Got a couple of coaches on my staff that's got some background with him. Pep had him in Michigan. We like the, his size. He is, he is the prototype wide receiver, big, strong, 50-50 catch type guy in this league. And we feel like that, uh, you know, he'll bring, he'll bring that to us, you know. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, very tough kid. 215 pounds. Yeah, he's tough. We mentioned it before. Outside, outside the hash, outside the numbers, from hash to numbers, that's where he can live. He is so big. He can go pick it off the top of guys' heads. I mean, he's got an opportunity to be a physical freakazoid. And now he's just got to learn how to play receiver at the NFL level. And there's a lot that goes into that, man. But I remember DK Metcalf. And look, I'm not telling you Nico Collins is DK Metcalf. I said it after draft. I'm not telling you that. But stylistically, they can be very similar. Big, very fast, linear speed down the field. Once they learn the ins and outs of playing receiver in the NFL, boy, they can be really, really dangerous. And Nico's so different from everybody the Texans have at receiver already. I think that's going to give him an opportunity to maybe at first find a little niche, find a little niche in the offense, and then expand that as he starts to make some plays. All right, third pick for the Texans was Brevin Jordan. And I was a big fan of that pick. I had him number 37 overall in the top 100, and I know in my Harris 100. And I know people are like, well, that's a homer thing. Uh, yeah, I put that Harris 100 out back in March before I even knew what the Texans were going to do with Brevin Jordan. So uh, you can miss me with that. But Coach Cully talked about the impact that Brevin Jordan can have on this organization. Here's what Coach had to say about Brevin Jordan, fifth-round pick for your Texans. We feel like we got to steal with him, with where we got him. Uh, we felt like the, that guy probably would have been gone before the fifth round. But once we got to that point and he was there, I mean, it was a no-brainer with the ability that he has uh, as far as being a prototype tight end in this business. Hey, talk about Brevin Jordan. I was pretty excited about that guy, no doubt about that. Now, rookie minicamp is only about three days long, but there's a lot that goes into those days. I mean, it is 24-7, 365 football for the rookies to kind of get a handle on what Coach and his staff and Nick and his staff are trying to implement here in Houston. Here's Coach talking about the goals to come out of rookie camp for these young players. Pistol in my hand right here. I don't know if you can see it, but let me tell you something. We're, our staff was so happy today that for the first time, this coaching staff got to get on the field for the last two days with our rookies and implement what we're all about here implement our system, uh, get those guys up to speed. You know, we've been, we've been going four weeks right now with our veterans in a strength and conditioning and some Zoom meetings. You know, these guys have been all over the place. And so they're a little bit behind. Uh, so right now the rookie minicamp is, is a time for us to get to the point to where we get these guys, the culture that we want them to have, what we're all about. And I felt like today in practice, especially the second day here in practice, 
they had a good feel of doing that. And uh, we felt like they were, they were doing the things that we want a Texan football player to do. Question I asked him, or John McClain, I mean, either way, but it was probably McClain. But either way, he knew I was going to ask it, so he figured he'd just answer it to me. Now, a lot of veterans, I was over there today getting my weekly COVID test, which is kind of nice because I'm vaccinated, so I only have to test one time. But I was over there, saw a number of the vets so the Texans have gotten into phase two with the veterans. So it wasn't just about the rookies. It was about the veterans starting this week as well. Here's Coach Kelly talking about phase two with the veterans. I'm excited to be able to get out there with them for the first time. We've had their veterans now for about four weeks, strength and conditioning on Zoom meetings, putting installs in, our coaching staff has. And on, mo- on Monday – Starting on Monday, we get to do we get to do the same thing, but we get to get some field time with them. And basically, we're going to kind of do what we just did start with our uh, uh, mini camp schedule that we've done with uh, these guys. We just got through with and kind of start that with our uh, veteran group that's coming in here and kind of restart again and, uh, you know, get them into the culture. John, we've got 30 new guys on this team right now. Uh, it's, a, it's a brand new football team. So we want to make sure that they understand from day one what we're all about and where we're going and what we're trying to get accomplished. And that's what we want to do for the for the rest of the offseason. That sounds easy. It's a little bit more difficult than it would appear. New coaching staff, just any kind of coaching change. Man, I've been through that when I played in college. Three years, uh, my man Jim Bernhardt being my defense coordinator. And then finally, my final year, it was a change. Jimmy moved over to the offensive side, and we brought in a guy named Jim Fleming, who ironically was the head coach for Texan Isaiah Coulter and Jimmy came in or Jimmy moved up and Jim Fleming came in and everything was different and it was like yo I've been around here for four years now everything's different and so there's different ways of saying things different goals that he comes in with different ways of doing things and so you got to learn all that and vets they know they've been around this league a bunch where they've been traded where they moved on very rarely play for the same coach for an extended period of time or the same system for an extended period of time in the league and Texas players are having to adjust. They had Bill, Bryan, Bill O'Brien from 2014 until 2020. And now it's David Culley, and he's implementing the way uh, he wants things to go. So that is a big, big deal for the vets. Now, one of the coaches that has come to Houston to help David Culley do that and help this offense is Pep Hamilton, quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. Here's Coach Culley talking about the impact of Pep on this organization. Well, he's been a good position coach for years in this business. I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows about quarterback play. Uh, I mean, you know, he's been one himself. Uh, he's, he's done it his whole career. He's coordinated. Uh, he's been a quarterback coach. He knows the whole offense. He, he knows a variety of offenses. Uh, he's just a, he's a heck of a teacher. Uh, if you go back and you look at all the guys that he's coached through his coaching career, uh, you can see that one thing that we loved about having Pep here is that all those guys that he coached, whether they were young guys or guys that had been in the league, they all got better. And that's all you want out of your coaches to get them better. And uh, he's done that. And we're hoping for the same thing here. Now, Pep Hamilton has been an offensive coordinator in different spots. He has been quarterback's coach in a number of different spots. You put his brain and his experience with this offense, man, there's no telling what it can do. But Tim Kelly remains the offensive coordinator. And I think Tim is going to get better and better and better. I think he's a willed football coach. And I think as the year wore on last year in 2020, with really a receiving core in particular that didn't have a lot going on, 
I thought Tim was able to squeeze a lot of orange juice out of the orange. Here's Coach talking about Tim Kelly and the like-mindedness they have. Offense coordinator Tim Kelly and head coach David Cully. Oh, I knew I knew about him. I played against them for the three three years at other places that I've been, and I knew they've been very good offensively. Uh, and I, I liked what he was all about. And and the thing about when I interviewed Tim and we talked to Tim about, I, I love the mindset. I'm going back to again, just like when Nick brought me in here. This organization brought me in here. We had some like-minded as far as how we look at things. And I felt the same way with Tim when I talked to Tim about, about winning football. And so, again, that's, that, was, that was a part of also of why Tim is also still here. And we'll have one final clip from David Culley. And I would imagine the one thing that is most difficult on a coach, and I can tell you this from experience, the hardest time for me as a coach was from January through uh, probably about probably about April or May because I got some workouts in and then camps and stuff like that. But man, when I I mean I saw my guys every day because I was at school with them, so it was a little different than the NFL. I don't imagine it's that much harder than the NFL because you, you don't even see these guys, you don't see your players for such a long time. And man, you want to just you're just chomping at the bit to get out on the field. And Coach Cully's no different. Takes over as the leader of this. Uh, organization coaching the fate, you know, the face of the franchise, if you will, from coaching perspective, and you don't get a chance to see your players until now. And there is always this this eagerness to coach. And he talked about that after rookie mini camp as well. Well, I'm very fortunate that I got a tremendous staff here that are teachers, and I've just had two days right now of watching our staff coach and teach these guys right here. And and I tell you what. I, I came out of the practice today smiling a little bit better today than I did yesterday, and yesterday was pretty good. The day was even better simply because we're all on the same page. We're trying to establish a culture right now. Those guys, offensively and defensively, and our special teams are basically uh, coaching their tails off. They have been itching to get on the field for the last three months. We've gone through free agency. We've gone through the draft. Now we've gone through the – the Zooms with the strength and conditioning. And finally, to get out here today, let me tell you something. We were more excited than those players were today to get out on the football field just to coach them. And you know what? After we got through coaching them, they understood what we were all about and what we're trying to get done here with the Texans. Now, did they get everything we're trying to get them to do? No, not at all. But they got a good indicator of where we're going and what, what we're going to end up doing and what we need to get done to go where we need to go. Yeah, of course, day one. Not always going to be exactly what you want. But if you can just see the progress, you can see the teachability, you can see your coaches and how they instruct, that's always going to be a positive thing. So there you go, little Texans audio jukebox, David Cully style. That was fun to do. All right, coming up next, DP Sidhu sits down with our guru of ticketing, John Schriever. A lot of stuff you need to know for the 2021 season. We'll have that for you next on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans. Welcome back. It's Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio mobile version, which hopefully doesn't end up uh, floating down my street after a little while because it's getting nasty where I am. So hopefully you guys are all fine. I'm your host, John Harris, football and sideline reporter. And it's time for two of my favorite people to sit down and chop it up about the 2021 season in particular as it relates to the building, NRG Stadium, home games, tickets. 
Yes, John Schriever knows all. He has seen uh, this business, knows this business inside and out. And this is one of the more important interviews to hear from the standpoint of what you need to know about this year. 100% attendance, yes, no, mask, all that kind of stuff. John knows all. Not this John, our John, John Schriever. He sat down with DP Sidhu to talk about all the things you need to know for 2021 and living the football life. La vida de football at NRG Stadium in 2021. This week on the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity, my guest, John Schriever. He's the Texans Senior Vice President of Ticketing and Event Services. John has joined me several times before, but I feel like in 2021, we had to have you back because it's been a while, John, since we've talked about ticketing and fans at the games, has it not? That's right. I'd like looking, trying to get back to uh, more of a regular game day is what we're looking forward to. So yeah. excited for that. And I imagine that, you know, with the schedule, the 2021 NFL schedule coming out that um, it's been a crazy week for sort of everyone inside the building, but where does schedule release week rank for ticketing in your department in terms of how crazy of a week um, it can be for you? It's, it's a pretty busy week on the ticket side because we started selling single game tickets. So there's a lot of stuff that leads up to that, but uh, I think we're, we're fired up to get to see the schedule, excited about opening up at home against the Jaguars. So I'm looking forward to it. And I think the big question for a lot of fans is what is that going to look like? What is game day going to look like? I mean, is it something that we sort of have to wait and see? What can you tell us so far about how you all are preparing for games coming this season? Well, we're preparing to have a full stadium. That's what, that's what we're working towards. Uh, we're, you know, in Houston right now that we're not quite there. If you look at what's happening up in uh, Arlington, the Cowboys hosted uh, boxing matches last weekend that they had 72,000 people at. So we're headed in the right direction. We still are going to have to get some guidance from the state of Texas, the, uh, the county and the city, and, and the NFL too. They'll all give us guidance. We don't have all that yet, but hopefully we have it within the next month. I mean, how difficult is that? Because it seems like it's different state to state. The NFL can issue its its protocols and its rules, but it seems like for, for every state, it, it's going to be a different set of rules. So how will, how do you think the NFL is going to manage all that? I'm not really sure. You know, this is, uh, this is all, it was very different last year because different places had different opportunities for hosting fans. Uh, I think things will be much more open this year though. And I, I think here in Texas, and we will be at hundred percent capacity. That's what I feel. And we're, we're training that way. I can't really comment for how it's going to work in Illinois or California or New York. It's going to be a little bit different everywhere. Last year, I know that when games did start opening up in limited capacity, there was there were a lot of changes that were made to NRG Stadium and the game day experience just to make uh, the game day experience safer for fans so that they felt more comfortable coming to the stadium. There were hand sanitizers. There's a lot more social distancing. Um, of all those changes, what do you think that you really – you really liked and, and felt uh, good about that that will carry into 2021 and beyond? There's probably some stuff around the food and beverage, you know, how we, you know, we went cashless last year. We, I don't know if we'll be cashless this year, but we'll probably be something that we encourage that, uh, that does speed up transactions. There are also some options to people do some in-seat ordering of their food and then go picking it up as opposed to waiting in line. But a lot of this stuff will go away, which where you know, hopefully, hopefully at some point we won't have to wear masks, the social distancing, but we'll 
probably would go away at some point. I'm looking forward to that so it becomes much more of a regular game day. But really, the food and beverage is one thing that was impacted. But uh, I think the the cashers will speed things up, though, too. Yeah, and mobile ticketing, I know that was something that the league was sort of pushing towards and the Texans had sort of been trending in that direction. Obviously, COVID sort of pushed it along a little bit easier. But how is how do you feel mobile ticketing has gone? And and do you ever see the return of paper tickets for people that want to collect them as souvenirs? I mean, how do you how do you see mobile ticketing moving forward? Uh, it's probably going to be a bigger part of our game day. That hasn't been decided yet, but we're kind of trending that uh, that is a very efficient way to deliver tickets. And if people do need to pass on their tickets, it's very easy to do it that way as opposed to mobile ticket where you've got to actually meet up and get it to them. Again, that hadn't been decided yet, but we're kind of trending to get would that be a bigger part of the equation. I agree because I, I get tickets and a lot of times I donate mine to different uh, charity events and school functions. And the people that win the tickets are not people that I know really. And so finding a meetup is so hard, but I, I did really enjoy tr- the transferring of tickets process, especially last year with COVID when it was weird meeting up with people and exchanging things. It was just so easy and you could see right away that they opened up the tickets. They got their parking pass. I I, I just want to put my two cents. So I actually really enjoyed that. Well, once you do it a couple of times, it's, it's to your point, it's very easy and there's not much to it. It makes it easier on the person you're getting them to and you can do it literally last minute. And so right. uh, it's, it's uh, if you see most sports are kind of trending that way, where that's really the, the main way tickets are distributed. All right. So when the schedule comes out, do you look at the games and think, all right, this is going to be a game that we really are going to have a high demand for, or these are games that might pose some challenges? You know, how do you view the schedule? Are all the games truly the same for, for ticketing or do you guys sort of single out certain games? No, there are games that obviously have bigger demand than others. I tend to look at kind of just kind of how the whole season lays out. You know, if we're playing back to back, are there other things that we're going to have to work around? Because sometimes there are other things in the stadium. There's other events that are hosted here that we may control, some we don't. So I kind of look at the, the global part of it as far as when the schedule comes out. I do kind of like opening at home, though. I'm excited about that. I think that should be a, a fun game playing the Jags and Trevor Lawrence's first game. But yeah, there are always some demands that some some games have higher demands than others. So what can you tell us about tailgating? Do you think that comes back in 2021? I think so. I don't know that yet, but I think we're trending that way, yes. I like that. I know. It's, it's very hard to look into the future and predict. And I'm sure, does it seem like you have more clarity at this point this year than you did this point in 2020? Because it seemed like in 2020, nobody knew what was going to happen for the season at this well, point. In 2020, it was things were changing week to week. In fact, protocols changed all the way up until we hosted our first fans. Yet, I think people have a better, their arms around us a little bit more than they did last year. Because literally, it was all new at this point last year. But it is still, it's still kind of a fluid process. And like, like I said before, we'll probably get some guidance here from the NFL here in the next month, I'm, I'm hoping. And I'd like to... I wouldn't mind putting a lot of this COVID stuff behind us and get back to a regular world. It was so weird to be in the stadium with no fans. I mean, I think we were excited to have limited capacity. It was better than the no fans whatsoever, like we saw against Baltimore. But I, it seems like it's been so long since we've seen a full stadium back at NRG Stadium. I, you know, I have to ask you, it, the first home game against the Jaguars won't actually be technically the first full stadium 
um, that we see at Energy Stadium or mostly full stadium. You're, there are going to be a few events before then, right? I mean, how how do you envision those as sort of being a trial run for Texans games? So we're hosting a soccer match uh, July 29th. It's a semifinals of Gold Cup, which is an international soccer tournament. And so that will be the first time, hopefully, that the stadium's really full. And that so that will be kind of like our dress rehearsal as we get ready for our first preseason game, which will be against uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, August 28th. Right. But that will be the first time really we, you know, go through all our processes and uh, the stadium, put people in most in all the seats and get to use all the concession stands and the whole, whole nine yards. We get to, like I said before, it's kind of a dress rehearsal. So, and that's the end of July. Is there anything different in, in ticketing for a soccer game versus a football game? From your, from your um, point of view? It's just a kind of different kind of crowd. The tickets are all, uh, Obviously, there's single game tickets. There's no season tickets. So, and that is even different in that since it's a tournament, some people wait till the last minute to buy to find out who's going to be. Mm. It's a semifinal, so they're going to see who, how that tournament plays out. There's a good chance Mexico will be one of the teams to play. All right. So, with all these games coming up this year, you guys are looking to hire some people to work the games. There's a thing called a staff draft. What can you tell us about that? I'm sure there are a lot of people that want to just be in the building, just even work games and get some experience there. So I, I work on the event side of it too, not just ticketing. So uh, as we prepare for that first game in the July, our partners that run the food and beverage, Airmark, and then run the stadium, ASM Global and CSC, those are the entities that, that really do most of the staffing on game day. On June 9th, they're hosting a, uh, we call it staff draft. It's an opportunity for folks that are looking to work out here on game day to come out, see what positions are available, and hopefully get a job. All right. So, John, I know you mentioned tickets are on sale now for the 2021 Texans uh, home game season. So where can people buy tickets and uh, any other information that they might need? So right now, tickets are available uh, at uh, Ticketmaster.com. You can get a link off of uh, HoustonTexans.com to figure out which game you want to come to. And also, we're starting to sell some group, group packages, too. So it's a busy time. Looking forward to people coming out to the stadium. Busy and so exciting. I cannot wait to see game day the way it used to be. And you know what? We'll never take it for granted again either because we didn't realize what we were missing until we didn't have it anymore. <laughs> you mentioned it before. That game where we played the Ravens and there was nobody here was just surreal. And it was like playing an NFL game in the library. It was so odd. And uh, even the smaller crowds with the limited capacity, it still wasn't the same buzz. So. It was a little bit better. I feel bad for a lot of the teams that just had empty stadiums the whole year because that was just, uh, it was, it was a really eerie feeling. And I think everyone felt the same way. So we are more than happy to see fans back in the building. John, I know it's a crazy week. Thank you so much for the time. John Schriever, Texan Senior Vice President of Ticketing and Event Services. John, always a pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. I absolutely love that man. He is one of the most influential people in our organization, and for good reason. He is fantastic. John Trevor, Senior VP of Ticketing and of Services, handles everything. And sometimes I know he just is pulling whatever hair he's got left on his head out based on various things. And last year was such a challenge. But he mentioned that Baltimore game. That was as surreal a moment as I've had ever in football. To not see people in the building, to be the only one there. I mean... I remember the Texans scoring that game, and there were just there was just you could, all you could hear were the guys on the sideline, you know, cheering, clapping. That was it. It was like that at Pittsburgh too. It was very surreal. Late in the game, Pittsburgh gets a score that puts them ahead in the fourth quarter, and all you heard was just this 
low little din from the other side of the field. That was it, because there were no fans there. It was just very surreal. So I am looking very, very forward to seeing all of you in 2021. All right, let's go around the NFL and do that next in our final segment. This Monday edition of Texans All Access. All Access. Welcome back to the final segment of this Monday's edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, a.k.a. The Ark. Man, hopefully you guys are doing okay out there. If you're driving home, be safe, please. It's not too nice around the greater Houston area, so hang in there, be careful, be nice to one another on the roads, and get home safely. All right, I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And let's go around the NFL with things going on. The Chicago Bears are going to be a talking point pretty much all year long. Now, tell me if you've heard this one before. Head coach says incumbent quarterback will be the number one, he will be QB1, and the rookie will have to learn behind him. We've heard that here before, back in 2017. Well, also 2021, now in Chicago. Andy Dalton will get first team reps, so says head coach Matt Nagy. Now, doesn't mean that Justin Fields won't get on the, won't get on the field, And Fields did definitely make an impression on Matt Nagy. But Nagy said the plan beyond OTAs hasn't been determined. But in OTAs, Andy Dalton's going to end up getting those reps. Apparently, what I read, heard about what is going on in Chicago, Justin Fields made a pretty significant impression. And the funny thing about that, is we all sort of knew. There was all that noise about Justin Fields and then Dan Orlovsky said that stupid, stupid thing. Oh, he doesn't put in the work. So dumb. Absolutely moronic to say something of that magnitude. And then, well, no, no, that's just what I was hearing. It's just what I was hearing. Okay, really? You you corroborate that sort of thing. Justin Fields has always been a stand-up guy. He played on a knee that he had no business playing on back in 2019 in the Fiesta Bowl and almost carried Ohio State to a victory that night against Clemson. He played through that rib injury in the playoff semifinal against Clemson, just took a shot from James Skalski, and then threw six touchdowns the rest of the way. That's a tough dude. So all this talk about Justin Fields isn't this, isn't that. Man, Justin Fields is all that bag of chips, man. He's going to be QB1. It's just a matter of when does... Matt Nagy actually know when that's going to happen or not. I don't know. Maybe it's the start week one. I don't know. I think it's going to happen sooner than later for Justin Fields there in Chicago. This was really cool news, I thought, coming out of Denver. The Denver Broncos have hired Kelly Klein as their executive director of football ops and special advisor to the general manager. Now, George Payton, who was with the Vikings... Worked with Klein with the Vikings. They were together, I think, the last 10 years or so in Minnesota. And when Peyton got the job, his very first hire is and is Kelly Klein, somebody he knows very, very well. She has been involved in all aspects of the scouting department. She started as a PR intern. 
And she has she rose to the level of manager of player personnel and college scout with the Vikings, covering the Midwest region for the Vikings, while also serving as the point person for, for all off-site scouts. She is believed to be the highest-ranking woman in scouting in the history of the NFL. Peyton said in a statement from the Broncos, Kelly is a rising star in the NFL. We're fortunate to add someone of her caliber to the Denver Broncos. Having worked with her for nine years in Minnesota, Kelly has a strong understanding of all aspects of football ops and player evaluation along with outstanding leadership qualities. She will be a tremendous resource with her experience on the pro and college sides as well as her knowledge of our grading scale and football calendar. Her first day was today in Denver. And it's, it's just... I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for, for Kelly Klein. I mean, this is an opportunity that in a male-dominated business that this opportunity hasn't ever come up. I mean, there have been 100-plus years of the NFL, and no woman has ever risen to that status. Now, I'm sure over the years there would have been women that had given the opportunity, could have gotten the status. Kelly Klein is getting that opportunity, and I think it is so incredibly cool to see her get this opportunity with the Denver Broncos and hopefully opening doors for women and you know more women even more minorities to be involved in football ops to take on high levels um, of football operations of personnel this is really cool news I thought of Kelly Klein getting that opportunity with the Denver Broncos alongside new GM George Payton and we'll see what uh, we'll see what George Payton's got for the Denver Broncos, and we'll see if their first move together is to go get Aaron Rodgers or what the uh, Denver Broncos do. But Kelly Klein, the first woman to reach the status of executive director of football ops and special advisor to the general manager, this is an extremely influential position for the Broncos. Congratulations to her. Congratulations, to George Payton, for making such a move with the Denver Broncos, their their new squad moving over from, both of them moving over from Minnesota. Congratulations to her. All right, that's going to do it for the show. A big thanks to Coach Cully providing all the sound bites from Rookie Minicamp, to DP Sidhu, to Senior VP of Ticketing and Event Services, John Schriever, to Joanna back in studio, to you guys for listening. It's been a rough day, man. This rain is absolutely brutal. So you guys be safe. And I really appreciate you listening. We'll be back tomorrow, as always, right here from 6 to 7 on Sports Radio 610. If you didn't catch it there, go to sports radio, uh, go to HoustonTexas.com, our podcast page. You can get everything right there. You guys are the best. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.